The Smart Start Money Podcast. If the subject is about money and life or questioning the so-called experts on the subject, we open the conversations. Welcome to the Smart Start Money Podcast. My name is Eric Flynn. Hiring a qualified financial professional can be challenging. You might get a referral from a friend or relative. A coworker might even suggest a financial advisor they work with. Yet how do you know the referral is the right person for you? Are they qualified, trustworthy, and do they have integrity? On today's podcast, I'm going to cover 25 questions to interview your potential financial advisor. If you've been thinking about working with a financial professional, this is a podcast you're not going to want to miss. This podcast episode, I wanted to talk about hiring a financial professional. Although I, I'm a firm believer that most people can likely manage their own money and investments, there are instances where it can make sense to hire a financial advisor. For, for some people, they might even just be more comfortable with someone managing their investments. And the problem today is the truth is most people say they do not completely trust financial advisors and money managers. This distrust does not come without some merit. The financial industry has certainly gotten a bad reputation, one with salespeople selling products for high fees and commissions financial advisors that sell investments with outrageous surrender charges and investments that are only good for the salesperson's bank account and not the the client. To add to the bad reputation of the people working to advise people on their finances are the news stories. And in the news, it's not uncommon to see the stories of Ponzi schemes and scam artists ripping people off for their, often their entire life savings. Although not everyone truly likely needs someone to help them manage their money, like I said, there are situations it might be advantageous. My background working with hundreds of financial advisors over several years and getting to know their personalities, I can truly say there are some good financial professionals left that are helpful. They might be far and few between, but these people do exist. Today, I'm going to to try and help listeners. The, the question is, is how do you know if an advisor you're thinking about hiring is trustworthy, competent, and also has integrity? How will you truly know if they will be looking out for your best interests? And the honest truth is here, you you won't. Yet, there are some questions you can ask a potential financial advisor to help increase the odds of a successful relationship. One where the advisor will be looking out for your well-being and they will have the experience to do it. So today on this podcast, I have 25 questions to ask a financial professional you are thinking about hiring to manage your money. Let's get right into it. The first question that I have here is that you want to ask somebody that you're thinking about hiring to be your financial advisor is what kind of financial licenses do you have? The series seven license should be one of the answers when you ask this question, because this is a standard for financial advisor licenses. What this license is allow- allows is a person to sell stocks, bonds, options, and futures. The only type of securities or investments that a person with a Series 7 can't sell are commodities, futures, real estate, and life insurance. Financial professionals, they might also hold other licenses, and this is not uncommon. You'll often hear of financial professionals having licenses such as a Series 63 or 65. And a 63 license is required by each state, and it authorizes the licensees to do business in a state. 
The 65 license is a requirement for anyone providing financial advice on non-commission terms. So advisors that provide investment advice for an hourly fee or manage accounts based on a fee basis, these people would require one of those Series 65 licenses. And an insurance license is also not uncommon for people in the financial business. Unlike the Series 7 or 65 licenses, which are administered by FINRA, which is the the government-authorized organization that oversees U.S. broker-dealers, an insurance license is regulated by the state in which, you know, an advisor does business. Financial professionals carry an insurance license to often sell life or health insurance. Also, they may hold an insurance license to sell products like annuities. And these are part securities investment and part insurance when it comes to variable annuities. And that's often why you'll see financial professionals not only hold securities licenses, but they'll also hold an insurance license. The advisor you decide to work with should at minimum have a Series 7 license. Only a financial advisor with this license is legally authorized to discuss all types of investments, such as stocks, bonds, and mutual funds. It is likely or somewhat likely that you could come across someone that holds only a Series 6 license. And what you have to keep in mind here is this this might sound impressive, but it limits the person's ability to work with all financial products except mutual funds. So when it comes to Series 6 license individuals, they can only sell mutual funds. Working with someone that only holds a Series 6 license will limit your investment choices. So If you're interviewing a potential financial advisor and they only hold a Series 6 license, you need to know that you're only going to be able to work with them with mutual funds. This is why it's important for them to have a Series 7 general securities license. So there's more options. Next on the list to ask a potential financial advisor when it comes to questions is what is your work experience? and background. It is important to know the the background, education, and experience your financial advisor brings with them to work with your money. Ask questions on where they may have gone to school and how long the person has been a financial advisor. The important thing to look for here with experience is someone that has been through the battles of market swings. A financial professional that's lived through a recession, a major market downturn, and more than one chairman of the Federal Reserve, it can be a good sign. The truth about the financial advisor industry is that 70% of the licensed professionals end up leaving the business within three years. There are a lot of young adults that enter the industry only to find out it isn't so easy. You don't want a financial advisor working for you that is going to be there one day and gone the next. The more experience your potential financial professional has, the better off you'll be. At a minimum, it is a good idea to hire a financial advisor that has at least five years of experience. Now, 10 or more years is a plus Yet someone with decades of experience, you might also want to take a closer look at because people that survive for a large number of years in the financial advisor profession, they often can be set in their ways. And I used to see this quite often when I used to to, uh, previously work with a lot of financial professionals. They don't always keep up all of them, I will say, do, don't always keep up with the newest technology and trends. One thing you want to pay attention to here with experience is don't pay much attention to fancy titles. 
If you're meeting with somebody that you're thinking about hiring as your financial advisor, if they have the title of something like vice president, senior director, or senior investment specialist, it probably doesn't really equal much. These titles are there to impress and most often reward egos. Impressive sounding titles as a financial professional, they're basically handed out all the time. They are usually for meeting sales goals or even sometimes based on seniority. They many times don't mean much at all. Just because a financial advisor has a big title or a degree from a prestigious university, it doesn't automatically make them a genius when it comes to managing money. And this is important to to keep in mind, as I, I, I did used to see this quite a bit, is people with fancy titles or fancy degrees, it doesn't always equate to them being the most educated when it comes to managing money. Number three here to ask a potential financial advisor that you're meeting with is, will my account be insured? And how is it covered and what is covered? It's important here to make sure your financial advisor's firm has what they call SIPC, which is Security Investment Protection Corporation Insurance. And this insurance is similar to what banks provide under FDIC insurance. The SIPC protects against the loss of cash and securities held by a customer at a financially troubled SIPC member brokerage firm. So you want to make sure they have this insurance. Now, the civic insurance does not protect against a decline in value of securities, nor does it protect clients that might get sold a worthless stock. It also is not protection against bad investment advice. It only protects a person from a brokerage firm that might go under. So this is very, this is very important to remember. When you're looking for your financial advisor, make sure that the firm they're working for has the securities insurance. Because if for some reason that brokerage firm goes under, you want to make sure you can recover your some of your money. It's not going to protect you against an advisor that sells you bad investments, but it will protect you in the case of a brokerage firm that goes out of business. If the advisor you are considering does not work with a brokerage firm that carries that insurance, that CIPIC insurance, you need to keep an eye out for this because it is it should be a, a big red flag. The CIPIC limit right now is $500,000, which includes a $250,000 limit for cash. One of the questions you want to ask is if your investments are worth more than that is, does the firm this advisor work for, do they carry excess coverage, which is basically excess insurance? You want to ask about additional coverage if you'll be investing over the CIPIC insurance limit. You want to make sure, this is a big one, that, to make sure that your account has insurance. Number four on the list to ask your potential financial advisor is, do you hold any professional designations? Now, again, with many financial professionals, there generally comes some type of designation or often they can even have a lot of different ones. You might see abbreviations such as CFP, CRPC, or CDFA. Ask about the different designations the advisor you're meeting with has. Some are more difficult to obtain, although they all many times equal some type of additional education, which is obviously a good thing. The benefit with some designations is they require ongoing, continuing education to retain them. And with how fast taxes and securities laws can change, extra education never hurts. So when it comes to those designations, Make sure you ask about them, but also keep in mind some of them are not quite worth as much as others, but any additional education is is always helpful. Number five on the list to ask a financial advisor is, 
do you provide in-depth financial planning? Now, there are different types of financial advisors. One type might only sell products. They are almost always interested in pushing the ones that make the most commission. So it's important to know if the advisor provides more than just investment products. Ask if there are any other services the advisor offers. And these might include tax planning or even specialized retirement planning. You need to make sure you are not going to be working with someone that simply wants their next commission check. There should be other services provided to be worth the cost of hiring a financial professional. If you're meeting with an advisor and that's all they're doing is pushing investment products, then they're probably not someone you want to work with because they're probably only commission-based. And with each product they sell, that's how they're going to make their money. Number six to ask on the questions here for a potential financial advisor is what is the minimum investment account size you work with and what would you say is the average? This is a question a lot of people might be hesitant to ask an advisor. It can be kind of awkward. You know, what is your minimum account size? But it's also important to know. If the answer is a high number, this will show an advisor is doing well and they do not need to take on every account that comes in the door. If the advisor does have a good amount of accounts, this can be a good sign. Getting an idea of the average investment account size is also important. If your account is at the low end, when you hear what that average investment account size is that the advisor manages, you need to know that you may not get the attention you need or want when you work with that advisor. An account that is on the higher end and you might receive a lot of personal attention. Larger clients for a financial advisor, these are the ones that pay the bills and keep them in business. For this reason, they will almost always get the most attention, which is understandable. A good advisor might make an exception for an account with a lower investment dollar amount. You, you just need to ask them. They may say no or sometimes even surprise you with an answer of yes. But if they do take on your account and it's smaller than what they usually handle, you need to make sure this will not lower the level of service you receive and you want to stress this part to the financial advisor. If you like an advisor that has a higher dollar amount requirement than you have to invest and they don't want to take you on, you might just want to ask them if they're able to charge by the hour. This does require a certain securities license, but it can be a way to hire an advisor that works with higher net worth clients when you do not meet their account minimum. Number seven on the list to ask a potential financial advisor is how many household accounts do you have? Make sure to ask how many household accounts a financial advisor has under them. This is not just asking for the number of accounts. Household accounts are a much different number. A household account could have several accounts under it. So the way these household accounts work is, let's use for an example here, a husband and wife that both have an IRA and also a traditional brokerage account. This is considered one household account and not three separate accounts. If you ask for the number of accounts only, and an advisor might tell you they have, let's say, 500 accounts, but in truth, there might only be 100 households. This would mean the advisor only has 100 real clients and not 500 clients. So a number too low here, and it could show the advisor is not very successful, one with a high number of households and you might just end up being another client with a number. There can be exceptions to the number of households. It is possible for a well-established financial professional with very high net worth clients to have a small number of households. 
generally you probably want to see a household number somewhere between 200 and 500. An advisor with a good team and support staff can also have an easier time managing more households and accounts. Question number eight to ask a potential financial advisor, how many accounts would you say clients have closed with you in the previous few years and move them to another advisor? This is another question you might not be comfortable asking, but it is one that you need to ask someone that you're thinking about managing your money and your investments. If you have an advisor that quickly tells you no client of theirs has ever moved an account, this should be a red flag for sure. Personalities can differ, and with financial advisors, this certainly can be the case. It would be rare that an advisor did not have any clients decide to leave them. If the advisor tells you they do not keep a record of their clients that leave, this should put you on alert. Most do know which clients have left and when they decided to leave. Number nine to ask a potential financial advisor is have you ever asked a client to move their account? And this may come surprising to some people. Believe it or not, there are financial advisors that will ask a client to move their account. It might be due to the advisor not being able to provide the service the client expects. A client might also be asked to leave because they will not follow the advice provided. Advisors will ask people to move their accounts also if the relationship is not working. An advisor that has no problem asking client to leave can be a good and bad thing. However, it can be nice to know they do not keep every account just because it provides an income. Just about every financial professional will have at least a few clients they likely would like to see leave. Many times they will keep the the ones that provide substantial revenue, yet often there is a limit and they might even let them go. So what you need to realize here is there are advisors that do do let clients go and you want to ask this question because some advisors will hold on to clients if they are no good and it takes a lot of their time sometimes. Sometimes people with either a high net worth or even not much money they can either be difficult to deal with and they take up a lot of time of an advisor. And at some point, a financial professional, they'll often make a decision to keep working with that client. Does it make financial sense with the time that that client is is taking? Number 10 on the questions to ask, have you or your firm ever had a written complaint filed against you? Did you plead guilty or no wrongdoing? The answer to this question that you're going to likely want to hear is no, but you need to realize there are numerous, and I mean there are a lot of them, a lot of financial advisors have formal complaints on their records, especially if it is an advisor that's been in the business for decades. The problem with financial advisor complaints is many of them actually may not be be warranted. Investors will many times get upset just on the premise of losing value in their investment. A client may also file a complaint stating they did not agree with an advisor's recommendation at a later date due to investment loss. Some really good financial professionals often they'll have at least one complaint on their record at some point. This does not necessarily make them dishonest or unethical. It's also not uncommon for an advisor to admit to no wrongdoing and pay an amount to to settle a dispute. If a financial advisor admits to something in a complaint, this is something that you'll want to take a, a second look at. Also, an advisor that has several complaints on their record should be a red flag. That should be something you you look into farther. Any type of suspension or something along these lines 
should also be an issue. The problem with complaints in the financial services business is some advisors and even brokerage firms look at them as a cost of doing business. And this can be difficult to believe, but it is true. What this means is some places will keep, or some advisors even, will keep doing what they they have done, even if it, it, it skirts being legal or ethical, and they'll just deal with the consequences if if they come up. You will not only want to look at the financial advisor's complaint records, but also view the record of the broker-dealer that advisor is representing. What I tell a lot of people is FINRA, which is the government body that regulates the securities business, FINRA has an easy broker check you can perform at it's brokercheck.finra.org. And this will show the record of a potential financial advisor. And anyone that's considering hiring a financial advisor or some type of financial professional, I highly recommend that you use that site to do a background check. It's very simple to do. And sometimes you'll be surprised by what you find. Number 11 here on the questions to ask is what can I expect from you as my financial advisor? Setting expectations with an advisor early is, it's going to be important. You need to know what services the financial advisor is going to be able to offer. The 12th question, will I be working directly with you or another member of your staff? Who else will be working on my finances and is there a team? A lot of times with financial professionals, it's not uncommon that there's a lot of clients and they, this, the advisor has a team of people and support representatives. You need to know who else is going to be working with your investments. If you're expecting your advisor to personally handle everything, this will tell you if that's going to be the case or not. You might not want other people working with your money other than the advisor themselves. Also, if, if you have a, a smaller investment amount to offer, the advisor might have a newer licensed team member manage some aspects. You might not want this as well. So that's a good, this is a good question to ask. Good questions to ask. If you will be working with other team members, make sure to get a list of their credentials in addition to the advisor. Make sure to ask who will be working with your money because often if it's a successful financial advisor, they're not going to handle every aspect. You need to, you need to know who else is going to be working with your investments. The 13th question to ask a potential financial advisor is how often will we communicate and how will this be accomplished? Communication is extremely important between a financial advisor and the client. You need to be comfortable with the frequency of communication. The advisor might tell you that most of the time communication will be done over the telephone or through email. You might also be told you will get a yearly review. If the advisor does not present a schedule of communication that lives up to the service you want for the price you're going to be paying, move on to look for another financial professional. Make sure to be clear on what you want from the advisor when it comes to communication. The 14th question, how will you be compensated from working with me? Will there be commissions? Will it be based on an hourly fee or or percentage of my investments? There's a lot of different ways a financial professional can get paid. An advisor can earn commissions on the products they sell as a percentage of the assets invested or even through an hourly or annual fee. The first one we'll take a look at here is is commissions. The method of earning commissions on products sold is it's almost always not the preferred way for an investor to pay their advisor. And the reason for this is once you pay an upfront commission, there might not be much of a reason any longer for a financial advisor to stay in contact or give your account the attention it needs or you even believe that it requires. Just to use an example here of an upfront 
commission, an advisor that sells a mutual fund, let's say to a client with a 5% sales charge. If an investor puts $100,000 into this investment, the advisor would profit $5,000 up front. A client that had only that $100,000 to invest would have paid the advisor up front on everything they can until either more money is invested or the advisor moves the fund or the funds to another product. You need to know that that financial advisors are salespeople first. Once they have earned their fees and there is no longer any money to be made, don't expect to hear from them often. They won't be going either way to contact you. It's a good idea to always just ask up front if the advisor earns their pay based on upfront commissions. I would say stay away from the financial advisor that charges upfront commissions on products they sell. They are salespeople and will keep trying to sell in order to earn a paycheck. Another way here that uh, advisors get paid is on a percent of assets. A financial advisor that gets paid on a percentage of assets will generally receive payment on a quarterly basis. And the fee could be something like one to 2% of the total amount a client has invested. For example, a person that invested $200,000 would pay $4,000 for the year for an advisor charging 2%. The 2% is paid out each year based on the value of the client's assets. If the client's investment value rose to $250,000 the following year, the client would pay $5,000 for the year. A financial advisor that charges a fee should be providing the service level that you believe is worth the money being paid. In the example I just gave, $4,000 per year for one annual review and a few phone calls, at least to me, is it's not worth the cost. If you hire an advisor based on a fee structure, check your returns against a comparative market index. If the advisor is not at least matching a similar market index based on your investments, you might be better off with someone else if you're not getting the service you want. The truth is most financial advisors will not be, they're not going to beat market averages over a period of time for a long-term investor. You don't want to be paying fees when you could likely do just as good or better investing on your own. The other way here an advisor can get paid is an hourly fee. A growing number of financial professionals are using an hourly or annual fee. The client purchases a block of time in advance and the advisor gets paid based on the time spent with the person. An hourly fee pay as you go payment structure with a financial advisor, it it can be a good arrangement. But if you tend to be on the frugal side, you might be willing to skip a meeting or review due to the cost. And this isn't going to be a good practice. If an hourly fee compensation is an agreement, don't miss important meetings just to, to save a few dollars. Not getting your money's worth will be the result and it could cost you financially. The 15th question here to ask a potential financial advisor is who do you work for? Are you considered an independent financial advisor or do you report to a branch manager or someone else? Financial advisors can work in a number of different professional areas. Some might be at your local bank while others might have an office at a traditional brokerage firm. There are also financial advisors that work for themselves and use a particular brokerage firm to clear investments through and some that work directly for a broker. There might even be some other professionals licensed to sell investment products. This could be something like your accountant or even your insurance company. The differences here is first, let's take a look at banks. Financial advisors at banks, they're generally something that you're going to want to avoid. And the quality of most advisors located at banks is typically not Typically, I will say, not very high. They are there to hopefully retain the money a person has with the bank by selling investment products and adding to the bank's revenue. The the reality is that most really good financial advisors can make much more money on their own or with a traditional brokerage firm compared to to being in a bank. 
And like I said, there, there are exceptions to just about everything, but you, you will almost always not find a very seasoned and financially successful advisor in a bank. It's usually best to avoid a bank for finding your financial professional. The next one here is is brokerage firm. Uh, financial advisor working directly for a traditional brokerage firm is, this is what typically comes to mind for most people when they think of a financial professional. These firms, they spend millions every year advertising their services and they work with investments every day. Even though this might be the case, they are many times also not the best choice for hiring a financial advisor. Brokerage firms, I will tell you, are often only concerned about themselves. They, they, they want to ensure they make the commissions, fees, and profits to pay their large salaries and at the same time keep their shareholders happy. Big brokerage firm advisors work to earn the maximum amount of money they can from their clients. At the same time, they will many times be competing for perks and bonuses based on their sales. Again, there might be an exception at a brokerage firm with a really good advisor, but generally they are a good idea to avoid. You might also find an advisor with your insurance company. Your insurance company might sell investment products. Now, they are good with insurance, insurance companies, and often know the products in in industry inside and out. However, they are usually not a good choice for your investments. Many of the representatives and insurance companies, they might be able to work with, with mutual funds, but not any other types of investments. You should avoid using your insurance company as your financial advisor in most situations. There could also be other professionals that are licensed to to sell investment products, accountants. Sometimes you might find an accountant that is licensed. There, you know, there can be other professionals you might already work with that also sell investments. The problem with this is both industries Let's take, for example, the accountant and financial advisor. Both industries can be highly complicated when it comes to changing laws, regulations, and services. It would be extremely challenging for someone to, to master both professions. Unless you find a financial advisor that works for a large firm that has accountants, lawyers, and financial advisors all in the same office, it's it's best probably not to hire your accountant as also your financial money manager. If your accountant works in the same firm as a full-time financial professional, that situation might be okay. The best choice for hiring a financial advisor is just might be the independent one. Your, your best choice is for finding a financial, a good financial advisor is locating one that is independent. These people, they're entrepreneurs. They hire their own staff and pay all the bills themselves. You have to realize it's not easy to build your own practice as a financial advisor. And they have more at risk when it comes to serving their clients and ensuring people are happy. Because if they don't, their, their business, it, it's not going to survive. Not all independent financial advisors are trustworthy and have integrity. However, your, your best chance of finding a good one is often with someone that is working for themselves. The 16th question here to ask a potential financial advisor is, why do you want to work with me? Also, what do you believe would make me a good client? When you ask these questions, listen closely to the answers. If an advisor only has all positive things to say and sounds so excited, you need to be a little hesitant. No client of a financial advisor is perfect, and hopefully the advisor will provide the answers that fit your situation. You want to also know the typical background of your advisor's clients. If they are all doctors and lawyers and you don't fit this mold, you might want to know why the advisor wants you as a client. 
The 17th question to ask a financial advisor is, are you a fiduciary? The word fiduciary is used a lot when it comes to the financial business. Fiduciaries are supposed to work in the best interest of the client. A non-fiduciary financial professional only needs to recommend products that are suitable. This is even the case if a financial product does not have the lowest cost or is most ideal for you. This is why you want to ask a potential advisor if they follow the fiduciary standard. A financial advisor with a fiduciary standard, it doesn't guarantee that they're going to be honest and ethical, and you need to keep that in mind. However, most fiduciary advisors will be acting in the client's best interest. You want to ensure the advisor you'll be working with is a fiduciary. If they're not, you run a higher risk of an advisor selling investment products only on the basis of receiving a high commission check. A non-fiduciary advisor might sell a suitable investment, but it could be one with the highest payout. 18th question to ask here of a potential financial advisor is what is your philosophy on investing? It's important to ensure you have the same investment philosophy as your financial advisor. The reason for this is you have to believe in in what they're doing. If your view on investing is one based on a passive approach, you don't want an advisor that is going to be trading in and out of your account regularly. Also, ask what asset allocation the advisor might recommend. Knowing how your investments will be allocated is an important question to ask a potential financial advisor that you might want to hire. It is important to know how they plan on investing your money. You know, you want to know, will it be in stocks, bonds, mutual funds, or a combination of investments? And also ask what what type of, you know, investment mix is going to be, be used so you know that. The 19th question to ask is, what benchmarks do you use for comparison? Financial advisors, they like to use past performance and show account performance against popular investment benchmarks and an investment. They could use an investment investment benchmark like the S and P 500. You need to know what benchmarks your advisor will use to show account performance and comparisons. If they use a benchmark that is not comparative to the investments being used, the results they're giving you will be completely irrelevant. You don't want a financial advisor that uses a stock index to compare bond investments. Make sure the benchmarks your advisor plans on using are relevant to the investments for your money. The 20th question to ask a potential financial advisor is, would you say you generally beat average market returns? Ask the advisor what their performance is generally like for client investments. A majority of financial advisors, they're not going to beat average market returns year after year. If the advisor you're considering hiring tells you they beat market returns every single year, you probably need to be hesitant in in hiring them. Financial advisors are very careful when it comes to discussing performance. And this is particularly the case with any type of future performance. And the reason for this is it's a liability. An advisor that will guarantee above average market returns every single year should be one that you're leery about. The 21st question to ask a potential advisor is what custodian do you use? A financial advisor should have an independent custodian such as a a brokerage firm to hold your investments rather than act as his or her own custodian. This is an important safety item that should be in place. With, With an independent custodian, an investor can check their investments online and they would get an account statement from the independent custodian. You only need to think of the many Ponzi schemes and fraudulent financial professionals that have made the news to know that your your financial advisor should not be the custodian of your investments. Number 22 on the list of questions to ask is, do you follow an active or passive money management strategy? 
active investment management is the philosophy of timing the market to hopefully outperform an index. Financial advisor using an active management strategy will buy and sell investments regularly trying to make immediate gains. An active investment strategy will many times be more expensive. Now, passive investment management tries to match the returns of an index instead of trying to beat the market. Passive management has it has lower costs to the investor because there is considerably less trading involved. Research has shown that passive management can deliver higher returns to investors compared to active management due to the the lower costs. Number 23 on the list to ask a potential financial advisor is how would you say your client accounts have performed when the market is down? This is a very valid question to ask because you want to know, you know, investment markets have ups and downs and you want to know how your potential new advisor client accounts have done in times of volatility. An advisor that moves all their clients out of the market during bad times might not be a good sign. This could show the advisor is one that tries to time the market, which usually does not benefit the client. Ask the advisor, you know, what they did and how their clients' portfolios performed in times of market turmoil. Your advisor is supposed to be level-headed and disciplined. If If they jump in and out of markets, particularly during times of poor performance, it's a bad sign that you have an advisor who is trying to time markets. And in most cases, that does not work out well to the benefit of the client. The 24th question on the list is, are there any fees if I decide to move my account at some point? There can be transfer fees to move an account. The the cost could be Nothing, or it could be $50 or more. Some brokerages, they will charge a fee to move an account as an administrative cost. Depending on the investments, the financial advisor recommends it could be costly to pull your money out. There could be something like a surrender charge that might be you know, quite a lot of money. Ask the financial professional what costs are involved if you decide to move your account. If there seems to be an excessive cost to move your account or pull your money out of a recommended investment, this should be one of those red flags. You don't want to be charged an extreme amount of money if you end up not wanting to work with the financial advisor. The last question on the list here of potential asking questions to a potential financial advisor is what services do you offer? Depending on your needs for a financial advisor, it it's important to know what services they offer compared to the costs it will be to work with them. If you have a complicated investment portfolio and require assistance with trust and estate planning, you will want to ensure the advisor you work with is able to offer these services. It's not necessary for a financial advisor to provide many different services. However, if If they can do this under one roof, it can make things a lot easier. Someone that works with with one financial firm for all their needs can provide a much more comprehensive financial representation of their financial situation. This can lead to a better experience and even a less expensive one compared to hiring several different financial professionals. You're not going to want to be paying a financial advisor for just investing your money because honestly you can you can just do that on your own. If you need the help of an advisor for retirement planning, you don't want to hire a broker that only likes to trade stocks all day. It's going to be important to hire someone that works with retirement planning. The Bureau of Labor Statistics reported 271 1,700 personal financial advisor jobs in the industry. And that was in uh, 2018. And there are people that enter the the business every day. And truthfully here, 70% of them are estimated to, to leave 
a business as a financial advisor within three years. So think about that statistic for a minute. With so many financial advisors available to hire as the professional to manage your money, how do you really know the one you choose is going to be qualified, experienced, and honest? And answering these questions, it can be difficult. However, you know, if, if you follow a good set of your own questions to interview your possible financial professional, it can give you a good indication of the chances for a good relationship. And I hope if you're listening to this podcast, I hope these, these 25 questions should be helpful in interviewing a financial professional that is both experienced and has integrity. You know, a lot of people will say financial advisors are not worth the money. And I would be in agreement with this. You know, this can be the case for numerous investors. And I even have a article uh, that I previously wrote on the website, smartstartmoney.com entitled, Does Everyone Need a, a Financial Advisor? If you're interested in, in reading that. But there are situations it can be helpful to have a, a professional manage your, your money and even situations where the, the fees would even be worth the price. You just need to find the right advisor for your situation and one that will meet the expectations you have for the compensation you're providing them. Thanks for listening to the Smart Start Money Podcast. If you have additional questions you would ask a financial professional before hiring one, maybe you're currently working with a financial advisor, I'd be curious to know what convinced you to hire that person. Let me know your, your thoughts. If you like this podcast, please subscribe. You can also visit smartstartmoney.com for helpful articles on money and life. Join me on the next podcast as I answer the question, is it selfish not to pay for your child's college education? This is a question I recently had, and I will be giving my thoughts on the subject.